In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everyone knows that when death comes, you need to look somewhere for comfort. When death comes for an adult, it might sound something like this. At least he had a long life. Or even if death seems to come early, at least you got to meet her and spend some time with her. Now, these words are supposed to offer comfort in the face of death. But these useless words ring even more hollow when you didn't even get to meet your baby. A positive pregnancy test or hearing the sound of your child's heartbeat isn't the same as interacting with him or her face to face. And maybe it seems like all you really have left is gnawing grief and the question of why. Why me? Why us? Why this child? Why now? Well-intentioned people try to give an answer. At least your child didn't suffer long. Or at least it was early on. And you know the torment of hearing these comfortless platitudes when all they really do is amplify the pain. These words cannot reconstruct your hopes. They cannot put your heart back together. They will not fill the cavity in your life. No one is supposed to die. Children shouldn't die. They shouldn't die before they are born. They shouldn't die at all. But the fact that they do, the fact that anyone dies, reminds us that this world is under the slavery of sin. Not that any particular sin resulted in your tragedy, but that you live in a world where death comes to all sinners. Those who sin by thought, word, and deed. Those who have sinful hearts, because we are all descended from our father, Adam. It was part of the curse for sin. In pain you shall bring forth children. And this remains true, whether your child lives or dies. In a way, then, this suffering is universal. The suffering under sin is for everyone. But each one's pain is unique. The trials that God has given to your neighbor, he has not given to you. Your cross is custom made for you. But in this, you are not alone. St. Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So do not despair. God is with you. Your God has permitted this suffering that you would turn to him for comfort and for hope. Throughout Christian history, a martyr's death is considered the highest honor. Dying as little Christs 
for confessing one's faith in him. Martyrdom isn't sought. It's given by God to those he chooses. And so Chrysostom, one of the early church fathers, says that to endure the death of one's child and to remain steadfast in the faith is a kind of Christian martyrdom. It is a profound kind of witness and encouragement to those around you. And so, like Abraham of old, God has caused you to sacrifice your child to him. Now, even as a parent feels the sickness of her child in her own flesh, so also do you feel and bear your child's death as though it is your own. And in this way, you reflect Christ your Savior. So if the good Lord has led you like precious gold through this refiner's fire, then you must be very special to him indeed. So look also to those who know this same pain. Consider King David in the Old Testament. When his son was born, the child became sick. After seven days, the day before he would have been named and circumcised, the child died. It's the Old Testament equivalent of dying right before baptism. As he mourned his baby son's death, David said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. When his son died, David saw only his child's lifeless body. And yet David does not rely on what his eyes see. He trusts in his Lord's word. And David also trusts the Lord's promise to send this Savior to redeem the world from death. He knows from God's word that the Lord is merciful. He knows that this child is a gracious gift from God. He knows that the Lord graciously gives, but he also knows that he is not called to love the gift more than the gift giver. Now, we're going to talk about more about that in the sermon tomorrow. When the nobleman asks Jesus to come and heal his son before he dies, For that man, Jesus wants to save him from loving his son more than he loves God because he desires that man's salvation. Jesus wants the nobleman not to rely on his son's health or life, but to look to Jesus alone as the source of all good in life and in death. So David and the nobleman both found hope and comfort, just as you do, by trust in God's word of mercy. So look to the scriptures and you will find fellow saints who faced these same trials. You will find those who also suffered more profoundly than you have. 
read and meditate upon the Psalms of Lament. Bring those petitions before your Father in heaven, presenting him with the words that he has given you to pray. Your troubles are too big for you. Give them to Jesus. Jesus was known as the man of sorrows, for he carried all your sorrow and grief to the cross. Never was grief like his. Look to your Father in heaven. He, more than anyone else, knows this pain personally. He knows what you feel. He knows it better than you do. And out of love for you, he watched as his only begotten son, Jesus, died on the cross. You see, Jesus came to redeem all humanity. And he took on human flesh, your flesh, your baby's flesh. Jesus came to be the substitute, taking upon himself every stage of human development, even from a single cell in Mary's womb. And we confess this reality today. For we say in the creed that Jesus, the Son of God, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He grew in wisdom and stature, sanctifying all human life in his own flesh. So every human life, even the unborn and the newborn, are precious to him. So in the very flesh of Jesus, God has joined himself with these little ones. How greatly he must love them. And therefore, all human life, which has been sold under the curse of sin, is redeemed by his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Jesus has lived and has died for all. Such is his love for you. Jesus was crucified to redeem you from this sadness, to win for you eternal salvation with him in heaven. And we confess that every child is a gracious gift from God, lovingly given by him to particular parents. But he gives us children for only a short part of our lives. You know that your God is eager for all of his beloved to be with him. But sometimes it seems as though he is too eager to hold your little ones In this life, you aren't granted answers to all of your questions, but you can say with certainty that your gracious Father loves you. He loves each one of your children even more deeply and more profoundly than you do. Your baby is also God's baby. For those littlest ones, you may not even know whether they are sons or daughters. But your Lord Jesus knows. He knows everything about your children, even if they have no hairs on their head to number. So consider what the scriptures say and hear his word for your little ones. God desires all people to be saved, and he has promised to hear your prayers. We know that he has hidden many things from the wise and intelligent but has revealed them to infants. 
And as we heard tonight, Jesus wanted even the littlest of children to come to him to bless them because he loves them. But most of all, we know the power of God's word. So take comfort also in this. His word is also for you. For it is the same spirit-filled word that has given each of you faith, the same word that gives baptism its power, that makes bread and wine to be the body and blood of our Savior. And so it is not simple wishes that give you hope, but the power and promises and love of your God and Savior and the strength of his word. Your God has been merciful to you. By his good and gracious will, he has delivered these children from the valley of sorrow. So believe that your God is good. Leave your, fa- leave your child in your father's gracious hand and believe that he does what is good. Consider the words of this hymn. I leave all things to God's direction. He loves me both in joy and woe. His will is good, sure his affection. His tender love is true, I know. My fortress and my rock is he. What pleases God, that pleases me. God knows what must be done to save me. His love for me will never cease. Upon his hands he did engrave me with purest gold of loving grace. His will supreme must ever be. What pleases God, that pleases me. My God desires the soul's salvation. My soul, he too desires to save. Therefore, with Christian resignation, all earthly troubles I will brave. His will be done eternally. What pleases God, that pleases me. My God has all things in his keeping. He is the ever-faithful friend. He gives me laughter after weeping, and all his ways and blessings end. His love endures eternally. What pleases God, that pleases me. And so we trust that by God's grace, he has received these children to himself in heaven for the sake of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his holy name, amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.